Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're continuing on with the second of our series of two-player shows, Player Expectations. Uh, we're having a format this year, like last year, where we have one guest. Tonight is Chris Rayborg of One Winning Pod. Chris, how you doing? Good, Ken. Glad to, glad to be back. And just like last year, Chris did uh, a couple players, Tony Jefferson and I'm forgetting who the other one was. Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards. There you go. Yeah. Uh, this year, uh, and, and tonight, we're going to do Patrick Ricard and Brent Urban. The format of these shows are going to take one offense and one defensive player. And as you know, we'll have positional review shows as we get closer to the season, uh, into the preseason probably, maybe even at the end of the preseason, to talk about where the Ravens are a- as a team. Those will have one person's opinion, aside from mine, to, to, to fold into this. Um, but I think these shows are, are are a good opportunity to get multiple opinions on the same position group by talking about you know a favorite player's kind of role within each of those groups. So we'll talk about Patrick Ricard and Brent Urban today and other running backs and other defensive linemen. We'll come at a later date. So Chris, first of all, Patrick Ricard and uh, and Urban, why would these why these players speak to you in terms of choosing your pairing? Um, I mean, certainly they're. Uh... They're, they're, they're interesting in that I feel like there's a lot at stake with these players. And I do think that they're almost in some sense like transitional players. Um, they're not going to be the the players that you're most cited, excited about uh, going into the season. Um, but I mean, certainly I think there's a lot of opportunities for, um, you know, just their roles to shift. So I'm hoping that the discussion will kind of reflect that. Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right about that. Let's talk about Patrick Ricard first, who had arguably his best year ever in 2022. He, he played approximately 200 more snaps than his previous high. Uh, his run blocking remains um, the best in football of any non-offensive alignment. So you can take all, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, anybody you want. There's not one other player in the NFL who run blocks as well as Patrick Ricard does uh, if you're not an offensive lineman. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I noticed that too with the snap count. I think uh, somewhere 63, 64% of mm-hmm. the snaps on the offense last year. Uh, definitely a career high. I think the closest one, I think, was the year before, like 57 or something. But um, it's definitely been trending up. Um, and uh, yeah, like you said, run blocking, definitely superb. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, for kind of transitioning over to kind of fit, I, this is the biggest thing of like, you'd love to get Ricard more snaps. But also, you look at the rest of the offense, and you really don't want to get him more snaps either. <laughs> it's it's interesting. I really do want to get to that about how he fits within a muck and offense. You know whether or not they're going to play and put more receivers on the field. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about the 2022 Ravens and who they were with Ricard, because I think that's very hard to ignore. I think that you know the Ravens want to retain a certain percentage of their identity in in a sense. You know, if they have the lead, they'll want to have this identity available is to grind games out in the way they have successfully since Jackson got here. Um, but last year, they played the heaviest alignments in recent years, probably actually of all time on a relative basis. I mean, all time in NFL history. I'm not exaggerating this. They played more than 2.3 heavies per play. That's tight end, running back, fullback, and sixth offensive lineman. So uh, that's extremely unusual um in in terms of that and uh i'm sorry that's does not include the running back does not include the tailback um okay it's, it's extremely unusual uh to do that only the 99 vikings uh had had been even close to two in recent years i'm sorry 2019 vikings not the 99 vikings i was gonna say 99 you have yeah, that's a long time carter <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a long time ago so anyway the the the, uh, the the 1.99 had been the closest in recent years that's so far out of line that I have to believe in terms of 
relative to the average that the league is playing at the time, this is probably the heaviest any team has ever played in the history of the NFL. Uh, if it's not, it's certainly been decades since there's been a team that's that's decided, yeah, we just want to we just want to run the ball right down your throat and we'll see what happens, uh, kind of thing. Ricard had 450 run blocking snaps per PFF, and that includes a playoff game, so it's a 17 game season, not a 16. Um, but the next highest in the NFL was Usechek with 122 less run blocking snaps, and that's among all. Uh, people who would be considered running backs or fullbacks or are considered running backs or fullbacks by PFF. It includes penalty snaps as well, by the way. So that's included in that total. I, I was astounded by that difference. And it really underscores just what the Ravens were in terms of being a heavy offense last year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, you know, we probably talked about it. Plenty of people of just the, you know, the positional uh, lack of positional depth, of wide receiver um, injuries, obviously, um, Forced, I think, forced the Ravens' hand to, to run more heavy than they would have liked. Uh, we beginning at the season, um, you know. And I think obviously having the two, uh, you know, tight ends uh, as rookies. I know Kohler didn't come on until very much later in the season, but um, they had a lot of tight ends as well that they wanted to get involved. So, um, yeah, I guess you know, in in that lens, it doesn't surprise me that they went so heavy. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, you know. It, it, it's it's definitely been interesting just with the Ravens having this offense that they've had, um, wanting to use the fullback more. It's it, it's not a surprise to see them on top, but that discrepancy between you know uh, us and 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 Juszczyk and the 49ers, um, that it, it's definitely telling. It's uh, it's remarkable to me. You look at the at the listing of guys. There's only you know eight fullbacks or so in the entire NFL, but this really interested me. There's only of the running back group as defined by PFF. And I don't usually report PFF numbers here, but I thought this was really interesting. Um, there were, there was no other player with more than 60 run blocking snaps who PFF graded over 60.1. Now 60 is, is no, basically a zero score uh, for your, for your play. So it's, it'd be unusual that, that you wouldn't have some people over and some people under to do that. And Ricard's overall run blocking number per PFF was 88.6. Don't really care about the exact number. Obviously he gets a lot of, um, uh, his very high grade from the fact that he has a very high number of snaps with good blocking. So that's, that's at that, what that, um, it solidifies the sample size in the way they handle their overall grades. So to put it a different way, you can get a 70 every game for PFF and you might have an 85 for your seasonal score because it means that your, your, your average, your, your uh, aggregate contribution is greater. Um, and it's also more solidified in terms of it, of it, of it being next. So they have something with their small sample sizes that they fit in as a regression number. And that number I believe is 60 that they're throwing in for the number of snaps missing, so to speak. Uh, I, I'm sure people from PFF would, could could explain it better. I, I, for people who ha, are used to the old PFF system, they used to have the plus two and minus minus two system right rolled into their scores. You could kind of see it aggregating throughout the season. That's why I like that system so much better. Is you got a good idea of of how much volume there was um, behind what was doing. But anyway, back to the point here. There's only one guy, and it was Kerry Blassing game of Chicago. Their fullback. Uh, was second in the entire NFL with a with a run block rating of sixty three point seven to Ricard's eighty eight point six. So it's it just enormous difference between the number one and number two guy. And f- frankly, there's no other truly above average run blocking fullback or run blocking running back in the entire NFL who got any meaningful number of run blocking snaps. Yeah, I mean that's that's just incredible. Um and uh yeah, I mean it doesn't matter who he's blocking for. Um, you know, if if you want Gus Edwards running up the middle, you want Dobbins with a little bit more speed. Um I think he complements those um all fairly well. So um definitely a versatile player, um good player for sure. The, the defenses, you know, they obviously watch Lamar very closely. They also watch watch Ricard very closely in terms of where he's going to make a block, which is a good reason why defenses will run themselves out of position on these Lamar yank and run up the middle plays. And we saw that mm-hmm. against the entire NFC East basically fell into the same trap in, in 2020 as a group, Washington, Philadelphia, and Dallas. He had a long touchdown runs or long runs anyway, against all three of those teams, because each of those plays, they ran somebody out of position and messed up the play. 
Uh, it's just it's something that's very nice that the, that the Ravens have. And getting back to your earlier point, I am a little bit concerned that some of the effectiveness of Lamar will be lost with a what I assume is going to be a reduced role for Ricard. Yeah, I mean, that's you know an interesting point you bring up in terms of just like Ricard's impact on... Or, uh, yeah, Ricard's impact, I guess, on some of Lamar's ability to read and make those cuts on the on the key plays. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly like it, it's it's something that we've wanted to we we've wanted to add more, uh, you know, uh, explosiveness and, and and more of a dimension to sort of the passing offense. But but yeah, it's 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 trying to reconcile. It's like how can you be good both the passing and rushing? It's like you're going to have some elements of your game that you're going to just you know take a step back and because of you know exactly what you mentioned earlier because of volume, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to be practicing as much. You're not going to be using it in the games as much. And uh, yeah, that's that's really interesting. I hadn't really thought about it that way. I guess I was more of looking at Ricard's role in terms of, um, you know, his more traditional run blocking. But I mean, I think you're absolutely right. His ability to pull and and kind of where he's going and sort of uh, allow the the defense to sort of react to him. Uh, Lamar's been able to kind of counter off of that as well. Let me ask you another question. You brought up Todd Monken earlier, and and you know how the offense is likely to change. Obviously, the the Ravens have got a 2016 football card collection of rookie cards <laughs> in, their, in their wide receiver core now. Uh, so a lot of veterans. Uh, you're, the question, I guess, is this. Um, when Monken was introduced, he spoke specifically to a balanced offense is one that's challenging the defense to, to manage space all over the field well. And that you, know, you're, it, you don't have to do it by run-pass ratio. And, you know, I think the teams have generally evolved into into higher passing for a lot of different reasons. But one of the reasons is you challenge a team horizontally and vertically passing game and you, you do more of challenging them horizontally with the run game. Roman was excellent at it. And, and you know, yeah. the, the Ravens are very effective at it. But this the definition that Monken uses alone, does it worry you or does it make you wonder about Ricard's future when he says challenging space? you know, all over the field. Cause Ricard is a horizontal challenger and not a vertical challenger. I mean, for sure. I, I, I mean, there were a lot of things I think about the Munkin hiring. Um, now that we have clarity on Lamar's situation, I think some of them were kind of answered, but I know we had talked to kind of before about just like, well, is Munkin there for Lamar or, or not? But in any case, back to your question. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, you, you, you definitely have to look at it, right? I think for, for a player like Ricard, although you know versatile, um, although a guy who obviously you know a great player at what he does, um, he, there's just there's only so many ways to use him, right? And yeah, I think when you're talking about trying to space out the offense more, um, and look at who we drafted, look at who we brought in. I don't know, just it, it seems like a numbers game, right? You can't have Ricard in there for 16 games if you're trying to have all these other receivers and tight ends on the field as well. So, and is it really worth having Ricard in there for, you know, eight games a season? Um, I just, I, I don't really see that working long-term to me. This is sort of the transition here for him of figuring out, okay, how do we make him work? Give him meaningful snaps this year. But to me, you know, the, the year after that, like I would be surprised if he were here beyond 2023. Okay, so your point with regard to the games is not that he wouldn't be active for all the games, because I would assume that he would be, but it would be that he he would play only half as many snaps, so you're really only getting eight games worth of Ricard activity. Well, I mean, I, I think it could be both. I mean, I you know, I think it depends on the matchup, right? I think if um you know if you want to have more um you know more blocking tight end role, I think you know Ricard is going to be playing more of that, right? But if you want to have um you know, Isaiah and you want to have Kohler on behind Andrews, like, you know, as better, you know, pass catching options from the tight end group. Like I, I, I don't, I don't see how you have like all the receivers and all the tight ends and Ricard. Right. I mean, I guess maybe in that situation you would, uh, you know, have a step back and maybe some of the wide receivers, maybe you only have, you know, five of them on, on game day or something. Maybe we have some injuries at that position group. Um, Pretty good bet with the age on this receiver group, by the way. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I'm for, for me, I mean, I, I maybe would look at this a little different. I'd say that I don't think he'd ever really see an act, an inactive Ricard. He does some things on special teams. It's not a whole lot, but he's on the return team. Uh, he might also be on the kicking team. I'm not hundred percent sure uh, whether he plays a wing or, or one of the blocking positions, but in, in any okay. case, yeah. if you, even, even if you didn't have that role, you could find somebody else to do those things. I think right. if you get ahead in a game, you still want to try and put a game away, and then you really want to get be able to get heavy if you if you need to. Those wide receivers do you less good, and all you have to think about if you're my age is back to the Houston Oilers and their thirty-five to three lead against the Bills. I think it was thirty-five to three. Yeah, thirty-five three uh, against the Bills in that playoff game. To know that a team that's all run and shoot and wide receivers and whatnot has a lot of trouble closing out games. Right. Wasn't that the, the biggest uh, yeah. upset in history until what, last year? Uh, it was, let's see, it was, I think it was still the biggest comeback. But did, did somebody, did, did, did Jacksonville come back from a bigger deficit last year? I it was thought, 35 to yeah, 30. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. I'll, we'll have to check on that. Check, but okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so let's, let's talk a little bit about who else Patrick Ricard is. I think one of the things... We've really loved, I think Ravens fans as a group really love seeing him catch the football. It's not an area of strength, folks. I mean, he's got 4.5 yards per target career. 5.7 last year is a little better, but it's terrible still. Really, running back, wide receiver, wouldn't matter who you were. 5.7 is not good. I, I enjoy it as much as everybody else does in terms of watching him bully tacklers and not go down. Really take pride in just going out of bounds but not go down kind of thing. Uh, but it's, it's just is what he can contribute to the Ravens isn't as a receiver, uh, unfortunately. I guess the question I have for you is, does it does it really make more sense to move Ricard to an inline tight end role for, for a, por- a good portion of his snaps since the Ravens' other tight ends are more just pure flex receiving options? Uh I, I think, I mean, I'd love to kind of see the, the differences in, in snaps kind of for 2022 of where, where he was aligned, but um, I, I think it's situational, right? I think, um, I think you can, I think you can utilize him in both roles. Um, I think, you know, like you said, I, I don't think that he's going to be in line tight end and going out for catching passes very often. You might get one or two um, the whole season is yeah. probably where I would put it at. But, um, you know, you put him out there as an extra blocker on uh you know play action or something like that could definitely see that in certain goal line situations or short yardage sure put them uh put them behind the quarterback and and have a block um so this is kind of interesting i got this from pff here but he's in line 365 times and and by the way when i say in line i don't mean going out for a pass i just mean he was in line and most of those times he was actually pass blocking or run or run blocking you know, as, sure. as a tight yeah. end, but 365 plays in line, only 209 in the backfield, but that doesn't include his slot snaps, which are at 128. And those are all basically motioning into the backfield. He also has some wide snaps. I'm sure most of those are the same things. So, okay. uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, there's obviously some variation of, of, uh, of play there, but it looks like about half his snaps were plays where he actually was at the line of scrimmage this last year. And it actually looks like there was a trend in that as the season went along that he played a little bit more in line. Um, but, uh, but anyway, um, interesting player, four straight pro bowls now uh, definitely deserved it this last year. You know, I, I hate to see a player who's so good at what he does suddenly not have a job because the team doesn't do it anymore. Um, but if there's anybody who can, who can respond with versatility to the problem, I think he'd be Ricard. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, the, this, you know, as, as much as, uh, you know, as much as we want to kind of have the offense move into this, you know, everyone has great receivers and, you know, everyone's getting a thousand yards and, you know, 10 touchdowns a season or something. Uh, even if that were the case, it's going to take time. <laughs> so I think 2023, Ricard definitely has a place on this team. Um, you know, we haven't even really talked about, um, you know, I know it's not the focus of this episode, but, um, running backs this year, we're definitely, um, you know, we're a little bit disappointing last year, still kind of taking time to recover over their injuries. I think going into this year, um, trying to maximize the value that we have from, from guys like Dobbins and Gus, um, Ricard's going to be a big, a big part of that as well. So, um, if we want a balanced offense, one that, you know, as you said, like, you know, as, as, uh, as Munkin said, I, I rather, 
um, that we want to stretch both horizontally and vertically. Like, don't forget the run game. Like, it's it's going to be needed. Um, just will be a, a little bit of a different balance, I think, uh, this year and moving forward. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to them not trashing what Roman did. And I think that that the rest of the coaching staff and most importantly Harbaugh wants to keep some of that, um, some of the scheme. Uh, institutional knowledge that the team has right now. He wants to keep that around. And at the very least, you want it to close out football games. But you really probably also yeah. want it on early downs as well to have the option and you know, get yourself ahead of the uh, expectation in terms of down and distance, give Lamar some easier plays to make on third and fourth down uh, yeah. because of that. So, you know, incomplete passes are – uh, one of the ways that the that a defense can force an offense off the field, and so you hope uh, uh, you know you, you, there's a lot to be said for getting positive yardage on first down and and, and, sca- and staying on schedule, and that usually means um, doing it with the run if you want to do it fairly consistently. You mentioned 2024 next year, a four million dollar cap savings for cutting him. I'm like you. I think there's a lot of possibility he's gone after another year because of the incredible need to save money that this team is going to continually have during the Jackson second contract. And I just, it's going to be very difficult for them to, to keep players like Ricard who are very good in a more limited role. Yeah. Um, I, maybe there's an option, uh, you know, do some sort of restructure or extension or something um, to be able to keep them there. I mean, the the good news, I guess, for Ricard is that there's not that much, um, you know, of a, of a market for him. Just teams don't use fullbacks, so um, you know, obviously the Ravens uh, have have shown him a lot of faith, and uh, by giving him the contract and allowing him to kind of be here for you know four or five uh, years, I don't remember how many years he has accrued, but um, but but yeah, I mean, it might be an option, but yeah. It's it's seeming a little slim to me. It seems like something where you know you can have sort of like a tight end H back sort of role, or you know uh, figure out the the blocking in, in in other ways. Right. So Ricard has actually been a, a Raven for six seasons already. So this is seventh year. It's it's you know he's getting close to the point. I don't know how what it would take really playing in his position. It would probably take a championship for starters. But if he were to play two more years here, if he were to play out this contract. Does he come into Ring of Honor consideration? I mean, it would be let's let's say he plays the next two years and he continues with his with his Pro Bowl fullback, giving himself six Pro Bowls to his record and yeah. a championship. How could he not be? How how could he not be? Just the position. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's I think that's the only thing. I mean, when you say he has six Pro Bowls, like yeah. that is impressive. But yeah. in at fullback, when there's six to eight fullbacks <laughs> in in the league, um. Yeah, that's he, he, that's tough. Yeah, I think the I think the thing about it is he's towered over those fullbacks, and well, the, the great comment I like is like Babe Ruth in a Babe Ruth league because Babe Ruth ball is like twelve and thirteen year olds or something. So, so I mean, yeah. he's he has literally towered over every other fullback in the game for for so long at this point. The only guy who can who can touch him in terms of certain elements is Juice, and you know he he's a guy who who does some of his at a receiver some of his a receiver and some as a blocker in terms of just being the, the the best blocker in the game it's been undisputed for for quite a long time now and yeah. um you have to start getting close i mean there's some there's some long time guys lorenzo neal comes to mind sam gash was around the nfl for a long time a couple yeah. x ravens right there vante leach uh, would be a third x raven uh, amazing how a lot of them end up being that way but there haven't been that many great fullbacks um, in recent NFL history, and Ricard certainly would have to be one of the guys you have to talk about in the in the 21st century team, uh, who would be among the uh, the greatest fullbacks the, the game has had. Man, I'm, now I'm curious. I want to listen to a lot of the comments from the uh, the NFL Top 100. See what the players think. If he can get if he can get on the side of the players, I think that uh, that that really increases his chances. I think it probably. And we're just talking Ring of Honor. We're not talking. We're not talking the the Hall of Fame. Just the Ravens. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know. Yeah. But yeah, it might help. Yeah, you're right. If it, it, if there is a player vote involved in that at all, that would be kind of cool. Well, let's talk about what's a good season for Ricard and what's a and what's a great season. And it's really kind of hard to set a set a line in the sand for this. But go ahead and start us off with a good season. What does that mean to you here? Good season for me. Um, 
I, yeah, like I said at the top, I think it, it's it, it's tough because in some sense it feels. I I, I agree with like you want to have the ability to close out games. Ricard helps you do that, uh, but on the other hand, it's like sixty percent, sixty four percent of snaps last year. That feels way too high for where we want this offense to go. So good season to me. I I feel like you know, you maybe you know, cut his snap count, maybe say like 40% or something like that. Um, you know, special teams, I'm sure will probably stay about the same, ideally, um, you know, maybe fluctuate a little bit. But um, if you drop a snap count by 20%, he continues to be, you know, uh, the blocker we know he is. Um, I, I think that's a good season. It, I, I don't want to quantify in terms of like, you know, rushing or passing yards because, you know, they're basically negligent, but. Yeah, that that's perfect. Um, that's yeah. that's that's absolutely perfect in terms of 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 that. Certainly, would be between a good and a great season. What you're saying, I, I I didn't say it much differently. I said he's a big part of the offense on early downs and when closing out, and finds more snaps as an inline tight end. Actually, a fair amount. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day. You're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Last year, so maybe that doesn't even need to go up too much um, yep. in a way that does not impair offensive creativity much. And that's going to be one of the keys. If he's going to retain a lot of his snaps as an inline player, He's gonna he's gonna handcuff Munkin a little bit because him as an inline player generally is signaling to the other team that you have a sixth blocker. At worst, it means you don't need to take him too seriously as a receiver, and he's a one on one matchup. So it, it makes yeah. that part of it is easy for the defense. Uh, so I think that they'll you know they probably will avoid that more than they did last year, where they seem to really like it. So when we look at at where he loses snaps. As much as I want him to find that inline tight end role, that might just not be realistic that that they can do it. As much as they they, you know, the other guys maybe aren't great at it, you know, aren't ideal. Kolar and and uh, Andrews and certainly likely uh, are not ideal guys. Then maybe he has to he has to stay as a backfield and motion player um, to really be of most value to the Ravens. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, if we're talking great, um, it would certainly be awesome to you know figure out, hey, uh, he can take advantage of a couple of those one-on-one matchups and you know add a little bit more of of, of a passing element to his game. Um, like we said, it's not his best, but I mean, you know, we've seen him do a lot of things. I mean, heck, you know, beginning of the season, he's playing uh, you know a two-way player. He's playing on defensive end, so you know, if he can add a little bit of that, if you know. I, five to 10 catches or something um, being able to stretch uh, some of the middle of the field or something um, not in terms of, you know, vertical stretch, I guess, but you know, even, you know, some wheel routes or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. whip routes or something like that, like sure. Uh, be able to take advantage of some of those matchups. I love to see him write a, run a whip route effectively and lose somebody. That would be, that'd be a highlight film. That's no, no doubt about it. Um, <laughs> I, you know, for, for a great season to me would be, he essentially duplicates his 2022 season as a run blocker in fewer snaps. And I just don't see how, like you, how it could possibly not be fewer snaps, but I would kind of set the line at 50% down from, okay. d- down from 64 to 50. And here's the reason why um, it, it'll be a great year. If, if Patrick Ricard is helping the Ravens close out games, and that's how he's going to accumulate a lot of his snap count is by still being in there when the Ravens have a two-touchdown lead and helping them do what they've done to win games for four years now, five years now in the Jackson era. Uh, it's just, you know, be a guy who can get you to fourth and one a lot of the time pretty easily or get you a first down on either two or three downs uh, by helping your, your your run block. And the Ravens have done very well with either of those situations uh, it's been been an effective way. So that to me, that would be a great season. Basically, fifty percent of snaps, still the same run blocker he is. Ravens are closing out games because of it. Uh, that to me would be the the cherry on the cake. That would have to be a really good offense. I mean, that sounds like twenty nineteen levels in terms of like really closing out games for a full quarter to be able to hit fifty percent. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, yeah, you don't you don't tend to tend to get as many total offensive snaps when you're very conservative about running the football 
The teams that, that get a lot of snaps are teams that are trying to come back furiously in the fourth quarter and had right. a, lot, a lot of 10-yard, 10-play drives for six yards of play because the defense is letting them do that. Right, right. All right. Well, great discussion on Patrick Ricard. Let's move on to Brent Urban, big friend of the show here. Uh, we had him on a while back. I, I, I really urge people to go back and listen to that episode. It is pure gold from a football understanding perspective. And also, also a great personal story of a guy who came from Canada, how he played hockey, you know, was an enforcer basically at that, which is not a stretch to understand that. He would give Zdeno Chara a pretty good run for his money in terms of, of, of size and shape on the ice, certainly. But uh, but also a guy um, who then had to go through a recruiting process to be, could move from a Canadian uh, football player to go get offers from American schools and, and some of the background that went into that. And then all the discussion about how he actually plays to deny space very well done. So I encourage people to go back and look for that, uh, look for that episode. If you can, if you can't find the link DM me or just uh, respond to the, to the show after you've listened to it uh, in Twitter. And I'll make sure I put the link out there if I forget to do it, but uh, still a good five tech here in his eighth season. Um, This will be his actually ninth season uh, and second tour uh, with the Ravens. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of 2022, I mean, I, I think, um, he was a great depth piece. I think, um, you know, we didn't have to rely on Calais as much, um, in certain roles, especially, uh, I think later in the season, I, I feel like urban had a, f- a few more snaps going into that. Um, and a good rotational piece as well with, you know, guys like project Washington, Matabuke as well. Um, sort of a, you know, a secondary vet presence, but a guy who could give you uh, some meaningful snaps down the stretch. Now, you mentioned Clayus Campbell. His departure is going to put a strain on this defense like I don't think Ravens fans really understand in terms of who has to play additional snaps. In a lot of ways, Campbell was the putty that held the defense together with his versatility to play on the edge, at nose on an obvious passing down if that's where you wanted him, at three-tech on a lot of early downs where he's a matchup nightmare for whoever he's against. And a lot of players are going to have to take an increased role to do some of the things that Campbell did very well. Urban is probably one of them because Urban is a pure five-tech. It's his ideal position. He's a three-five versatile guy. He can even play on the edge if you need him to, something the Ravens were okay asking Campbell to do this last season. Um, but he, he's he's definitely got to got to be there to take some of what Calais did away from other linemen. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's the only guy on this roster right now who really has some of the length that mm-hmm. Calais had. I mean, even some of the other defensive ends, like they're not really that sort of the you know tall, uh, huge, <laughs> huge wingspan sort of guys. Um, certainly they could provide pressure at those spots, but um, yeah, if we're talking that sort of versatility, it's, it's, it's definitely a match. Urban has certainly made a career out of being a leverage guy, uh, plays reasonably low, but also has outstanding length. So mm-hmm. he's getting the pass. And by the way, you guys hear me and, and some of you, you know, have some fun with, with me and the, my desire to have offensive linemen who have long arms. Brent Urban is the reason why. It's defensive linemen like him. It's also defensive linemen who can work effectively with one arm and get longer that make it very difficult on short-armed offensive linemen. And, you know, he he basically talked about being excited about how, you know, if he gets to stunt or move across the face of a guard into a center, how that can give him his advantage. And in his case, he still has to go with two hands to do it. So a really long-armed setter could still give him trouble but uh, but in his, his case, he's able to work pretty effectively against shorter arm guys. And that's a lot of, of who's there at center in the NFL these days. A lot of guys who didn't work out at other positions, they tend to be pretty good offensive linemen or pretty decent offensive linemen anyway, but they have size limitations. Tyler Linderbaum's right in the group, but so are a whole mm-hmm. bunch of other centers in, in, this, uh, uh, in this league. Let's uh, we move on a little bit here. The five tech role. I talked to Brent a little bit about this on on our episode, but it's of reduced importance in the NFL, and there's a reason for that. So when eleven personnel completely dominates offensive scheming now across the NFL as a whole, not for the Ravens, you know, not not in the past or in the Greg Roman era, but for every mm-hmm. other team and basically all the teams that don't use a fullback with any regularity, eleven personnel is primarily what they use. They use some twelve but they use mostly 11 
and they're in there and uh, you, you don't, when, when that's on the field, if it's other than on first down where you still find some teams that are okay, moving a safety up on a slot receiver, most of the time, uh, you know, that 11 personnel is going to be met with a nickel defense. So they'll come into the slot corner. They'll still have two safeties and they'll really be defending against the pass right from first down. It's, it, it, in, in offensive coordinator parlance, you are forcing the nickel when you put a third receiver on the field. That's what Pat Kerwin has referred to it as, and, and it's, it, it's something you see. Well, with that, the Ravens found a way still to get Urban and three defensive linemen on the field these last few years by using this jumbo nickel package. Now, other people may call it penny or whatever. I like the coinage to be, to be solid. So you have five defensive backs on the field. I want that mm-hmm. to be some sort of nickel. So jumbo nickel means you have three defensive linemen, but you, you sacrifice an inside linebacker in that case. If you have good run fit safeties, then that makes a lot of sense. Um, but the Ravens are no longer in that position. They have Patrick Queen and, and Roquan Smith, and they want them on the field as they demonstrated for the last half of last year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, re-signing Roquan as well. Like, he's not going anywhere. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just an interesting formula of, of I mean, do you, what, what, what do you think in terms of, uh, Urban's usage then for going in 2023. Well, I think I think he's on the field with four defensive backs a lot because then you're you can stay in your base defense and you've got four. Well, let's map it out. You got four. You've got three defensive linemen. You've got two outside linebackers for five. You got two inside linebackers for seven. You have four defensive backs. So that's the base defense, and that's what he'll see a lot of action in. He'll see other action as a three tech in the nickel. So even though they'll only have you know two defensive linemen on the field, he'll still be a guy who lines up over guard, and and he he'll be fine at that. It gives him an opportunity to do some things he likes to do, you know, crossing the face of a guard and whatnot, or just getting a straight one-on-one matchup against a guard. Um, most of his career, he's lived though off making a one-on-one matchup against an offensive tackle. You don't think of that as being a, a, a thing a defensive lineman would like to do, but he's been just extraordinarily effective at managing space very well within the Ravens defense, usually getting a little bit of push, usually knowing how to keep his hand free on which side is appropriate and being able to make running backs be forced into difficult choices about where they want to bounce. Do you want to go the long way and go outside? Do you want to cut back to the inside where his free hand might be? Do you, is, is he denying space such that he's going to see your move and he's going to push that lineman to close that gap more and make an easy tackle for a linebacker linebacker? But the thing that, that is the consistent thread through all this is Urban helps other players make tackles more than he makes tackles himself. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, even looking at some of his career stats, I feel like, you know, you may rarely see like 30 some tackles a season. Even I think his best season with yeah. the Bears, I believe, is kind of under 30 tackles. Um, definitely believe that. Um, you know, I feel like even last year, there are a couple of plays that kind of come to mind of just, um, you know, you you see him having an impact on a lot of these, uh, but you end up seeing like a big play from like Owe or, or Queen or something, um, be able to kind of make, make the tackle and and uh, you know force a turnover or something. But Urban's always around, but uh, but yeah, almost never getting the uh, the 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 key stats. I think. Yeah, really, really understands team defense, and and that that came out very clearly. The other the other thing that is very good and is not realized just how useful this technique is. On early downs, a defensive lineman has to um, oftentimes uh, hold their juice in terms of the, of, of the rush. They can't just rush willy-nilly. They can't penetrate without – they may be schemed up for one guy to do that. But it's usually you know you, you have to maintain your rush lanes. You have to consider play action and what might happen with a run. Uh, and, and so you, you've got to not go all out to try and penetrate against your opponent. You've got to two-gap him. And Urban is very good at that. And the way you can still impact the pass when you're too gappy, you can push the pocket and you get effective there. And, and that's that's some of his game, but it's not really the, the, the top thing. The best thing he does, he gets his hands up. And he's so tall that he has a good chance to, to uh, deflect passes under those circumstances. I think the Ravens as a team are, have gotten pretty good at that. But last year, of course, in the Saints game, he had the deflected pass that got picked off by JPP. I think that's just JPP and not Houston, because Houston was everywhere in that game. Yeah, I believe. I, yeah, I believe you're right. Yeah, I think it was JPP. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing I'm definitely excited for him this year, just to kind of, um, you know, obviously we'll see, we'll see where his snap counts get, but um, he's he's always, I think, been effective in that, even when this first stint with the Ravens. He was the one who blocked the, uh, was it the, the last field goal against the Browns Pick as well? Six, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, um, you know, he's it's always fun to kind of watch him be able to get those pass deflections and, and see what the rest of the defense can make of it. So um, definitely excited for that. That was actually, that was his first NFL game that that uh that day so that's pretty cool yeah uh last year on a very small scale he did not have a good tackling year now it's always you're always kind of dealing with a small sample size because urban doesn't make a lot of tackles he creates opportunity for tackle more with his run defense but he he missed uh almost twice his previous career mark in a small sample size like four out of 20 or something about 20 percent of missed tackles uh so that's something I, i i would hope that would improve another underrated element of value that the Ravens really take advantage of though is the 54th man roster versatility. Now here's a key. You know what I'm talking about, Chris. You could go ahead and mm-hmm. talk to it. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, are you, so are you talking about the cut down or are yes. you talking yes, about the cuts? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, certainly, yeah, he'll be a guy that he knows the organization. Um, he knows to be able to bring him back. So if, if, Ravens are going to want to get a guy and slip him on the IR when the when the rosters cut down before week one. He, he's your he's your cut candidate. <laughs> yeah. And and there yeah. there probably are several. Uh, there's usually a special teams guy that they that they really like in this role. Last year they had about five. They cut Tony Jefferson. I was actually getting worried about that because I thought he'd be back in the special teams captain, honestly. But you know they have other guys who who they can cut and aren't a big risk to sign with another organization. That yeah. uh, uh, it's it's. Uh, uh, you don't want to get held up for dollars. You want your handshake agreements to hold up. But uh, one thing he's very understanding about, he goes, you know, I, you know, if, if they want a 57 man roster, then, and, and I can help that. That's great. You know, I think it's just smart organizational uh, management to, to do that. So that 54th and really you want 55, 56 and 57, a lot of years uh, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, as well. Uh, that versatility is, is tremendously valuable. By the way, if you want to figure out, it's a fun game to play. Look through the guys who have at least five years of service because those are the guys who, um, if they're caught, they don't go through the waiver process, which is the key. Okay. Waiver process, okay. you get yeah. claimed. But but if you're five plus years, look at those guys. You can or you can sort by that right on the Ravens roster on the website and you get a good idea of like, oh yeah, he might be caught and, and, and brought back. And um, you'll find a number of guys that, that fit into that category. Usually, you know, there might be two to four that you could do it with. And then you might be taking a chance. Let's just pick a player. Kayvon Seymour might be a player that fits into that category this year as well. Or right. Daryl Worley, if they want to keep yeah. on the roster. I mean, it's those kind of players that that uh, uh, that are that are usually pretty good bets. Uh, let's talk about a good season and a great season. Uh, good season for me. Um, you know, I think he. I I feel like we talked about at the top, like, you know, there is no replacing Clayus Campbell, but if he could be doing, you know, 50%, I think of what Campbell was doing for, um, you know, around the snap count last year, uh, urban, urban snap mm-hmm. count last year. Um, I think that's effective. Um, you know, I, I think if we're talking about a great season, certainly would love to see, um, you know, a few more pass deflections. Um, you know, a couple stacks from him, I think, you know, could be within the realm of possibility for him. Um, I don't remember what his career high was, but, you know, again, I, I feel like you know, to your point of, yeah, making opportunities for other people. Um, great season. I think if he could get two or three, I think that's that's really great for him. Uh, but at least a good season, I think, if he could do 50% of what Calais did in this role and um, while rotating with some of these other younger guys, I think that'd be great. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the, I have a good season as continue with a three five role and play snaps as needed. I'm not even going to try and define it. You know, other other if if last year the team played two point two two defensive linemen per snap, and that includes the that includes the postseason game. That's a lot mm-hmm. higher than the Ravens have played in recent years. Now let's let's break this down a little bit. If you play nickel defense every single snap the entire season, you should play two point defensive linemen per snap. They play a little bit more because they play some base defense with that. They also play a little bit more because they didn't have a lot of three, sorry, of three outside linebacker packages or fours this last year. Um, they had many fewer because, and the, and the primary reason was the first half they had all those injuries at yeah. uh, outside linebacker where they almost didn't have three guys who could stand up. 
yep. at the position. So it to to uh, you know they needed more this last year from the defensive line. I I hope the total defensive line snaps are cut significantly this year, which will help make up for Campbell. But the Ravens' edge depth right now is not giving me that warm fuzzy about that. You know, this now it's looking like the defensive line kind of needs to make up for some of Campbell's lost snaps. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it, <laughs> certainly, position group. I'm sure we'll have to talk a lot more about this season, but um, there, there's potential there. But it's a it's a big question mark. I think all things considered. Yeah, we really need another body there, frankly, and maybe even a guy who's a, a more versatile uh, edge who you know is an obvious kick inside candidate. JPP was a good one. Um, Houston is really more of an edge edge guy, so you know it yeah. ends up being on Owe or Bowser or somebody else to move inside or to move off the line of scrimmage to present a different look in the pass rush. And um, the smaller players kicking inside, I really don't like. I like it when a guy who's two sixty five, two seventy five, two ninety can kick inside. I love that, that I'm happy with it. So what it may end up meaning is the Ravens have to play two defensive linemen on some pass rush situations again. And I think that's probably suboptimal unless they, they suddenly find the magic with some player, whether it's Matabika, I think will be out there anyway, because I think he's the ideal guy, but maybe Travis Jones, you know, steps up and all of a sudden he's a tremendous penetrator uh, on the inside, or maybe he just, he just, presents that penetration risk and the other teams really step up to try and block it. And that creates opportunities for other players. So yeah. I, I, I really like, uh, uh, you know, I, I would really love for that to happen because I think it needs to happen. I think somebody on the defensive line needs to step up on pass rushing downs and, and provide something. So I don't think that'll be urban's role. I think urban is more of an early down player. I don't, I think his days of playing on, on obvious passing downs are probably over. Um, but he, but, he still provides something valuable when the other team passes on an early down. And, and that we, we, yeah. we talked about earlier. I'll, I'll give you my good and great season real quick here. Um, I think I did with the, with the, with the, the good season just basically continues on in a three, five role playing snaps is needed undefined manages spaces against the running back as we've seen before. And the important thing is that he provides this roster versatility that allows him to be the sixth defensive lineman and um, uh, allows somebody else to get on the roster. It's a, it's a valuable component of what he brings to the table right now. And so that would be a good season. Again, I, I've picked my good and great season. So good is a 60th percentile and great is an 80th percentile. So I'll give you my 80th percentile is this. His role increases from the loss of Campbell. So he played 26.7% of the snaps in 2022. I'd like to see him go to 32 to 35% of the snaps in this, I, it it might not be great for the Ravens, by the way, if that happened, because what it's going to mean is they don't have the kind of production or the kind of health out of edge that they would really right. like to have. So it's, it, it, but it would be a good season for him if he's certainly able to do that. I want to increase his pressures by pocket compression, but I don't want to put any limit on that. I'm not expecting a bunch of sacks. I just want some effective discomfort caused on the quarterback that forces him to move, forces him to throw away, forces him to get some tipped balls potentially by getting close to the backfield or um, forces some quicker bad decisions. So uh, just some pocket compression. That's all continues to make plays for other. I like his tackling to improve, but again, that's on such a small scale. I don't think that's really a a big deal. I think it will kind of naturally regress to to kind of his average for his career. And the biggest thing of all the, that I can say because a lot of that is ethereal in terms of, of statistically measuring it. But I think if it's obvious that the Ravens want him back for 2024 under a very similar deal, I think that's a perfect season. I think that's a, that's a great season. Uh, you know, he, he talked about playing 10 years in the NFL. Uh, if he gets back for 2024, he's got it. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the Ravens will be very shorthanded at defensive line in 2024, the there is a there will be a strong predilection to trying to keep someone they have, whether it's one of their current fourth year guys that they extend, whether it is urban. Travis Jones is the only one who's locked up. Um, so Pierce is a, is a guy, I believe Pierce is signed through next year, but let I me, mean, I got to look this up because uh, that's actually important, but he's he he has the possibility of cutting him may be too juicy yeah he's actually he's got a void year starting in 2024 so he's not even under contract so okay. it's, 
yeah, they've, they, they're going to have to figure out how to rebuild this defensive line. I think, you know, Urban is a good piece to start with, or he's actually really a good place to finish with, but you know, yeah. be one of the blocks that you'd have to, uh, right. uh, to have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a position group. You don't really want to have a lot of turnover in one year. I feel yeah. like having some people around uh, who know the system, be able to teach other guys is definitely important. So I would definitely agree. I think that, yeah, another one of those players like Ricard where, you know, long-term, not sure where, where he kind of fits in, but if he could stick around for 2024 and we feel comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. Ricard 4 million, by the way, in freed up cap space, if they don't sign him for 24. So there will be a question coming there. It's uh, you know, it's one of those things that, they'll look at and they'll have to save money in a variety of ways. And, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. All right, Chris, just a pleasure talking over this with you. Uh, tell folks where they can read yourself online or, or listen to your pods online. Yeah. So I'm, I'm over uh, with the folks at one winning pod. Uh, you can find us on Twitter or YouTube or uh, at, at one winning pod, um, one winning pod at, at, at gmail.com and all that stuff. Uh, you guys have probably heard of us. Uh, uh, me and Alec and Peter. Uh, you can also follow me on uh, Twitter. I'm still on there at Krayborg57. Uh, be happy to interact with everybody. All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a show this offseason, still got time to get in. Hit me up with a DM on Twitter. Topics are open at this point. Um, you still can get on for that one play, but we're right at the end of recording those at all. Um, if you want to talk GM, if you want to talk a, a, a statistic you've developed or a measurement you think ought to be made or uh, organizational philosophy that you think the Ravens ought to embrace. Let's talk about it. And I promise to get back to you very quickly if you send me a DM. Chris, thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much, Ken. Pleasure. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.